I was the Easter Bunny this weekend, and my question is, was President Obama the Easter Bunny as well? Why the fight for Twitter matters, I'm going to discuss that. And from the horse's mouth, the news media wants to control what you think. Plus, worship on an airplane, should it happen? Is it the best way to spread the good news? Uh, I'm going to react to that too. Plus, no more masks on planes. This is your favorite night of the week, the deep end of Tim Hatch Live. Could it be that the mask mandates on planes are finally, once and for all, over? Hello, everybody. This is episode 24 of The Deep End, season five. My name is Tim. You're completely not humble host. The Lord is still working on me. But this weekend, I had a great time. I was the Easter Bunny. Check it out. There he is in all of it. Well, there I am (laughs) in all of my Easter Bunny glory. The head a little bit dirty. But uh, I had a great time with some kids and dancing around, hanging out of a helicopter, dropping some eggs. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, I encourage fun at my church. I hope your pastor does as well. Let me know in the comments where you're watching. Make sure you like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell uh, to get this content to your smartphone or smart device every time we go live. But I have a question about the Easter Bunny. And here's my question. Are we under Easter Bunny rule? Are we under Easter Bunny rule? I, I, I asked that question because several years ago, there was an interview with President Obama where he was asked by late night uh, TV show host Stephen Colbert, you know, what, what if you could run for a third term? Would you have run for a third term? And when he was asked about that pesky 22nd Amendment that kept him from running for a third term, he said the following, quote, if I could make an arrangement where I had a stand in a front man or a front woman. And they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats looking through stuff, then delivering the lines, but somebody else was doing all the talking. I'd be fine with that. And you know, a lot of people have been asking, maybe that's exactly what's going on, because the first term of President Biden does look an awful lot like the third term of President Obama, particularly in regards to foreign affairs and the treatment of Israel and this preferential treatment of Iran, which does not make sense at all. But I had a question. Maybe Obama was playing the Easter Bunny as well. Why? Because this past weekend during the Easter festivities on the White House lawn, the following happened. Check this out. Here's President Biden meeting and greeting people, and the Easter Bunny has to come over and kind of shoo him away and redirect him and show him where to go. And there he he is, off to the confusing nature of his presidency. I mean, it's just kind of crazy, and I... I thought to myself, is Obama in the suit? Is Obama the Easter bunny in the suit? Want to to check the footage again? I mean, I don't know. Maybe somebody could just check the height difference. Maybe the Easter bunny is a little bit too short there. He's probably too short, huh? Who knows? Um, I just, I had that thought. I don't know. It is an important question regardless because why on earth does the Easter Bunny direct the president? This, this is anybody with me? <laughs> this is a very interesting and important question. Okay, let's get into deep end news. Deep end news. News and views that don't make us news. The fight for Twitter. I can't tell you how important it is that Elon Musk or somebody who values free speech, who values no censorship, uh, wins the battle for Twitter. As we have reported already on this channel, uh, last week, I believe it was last Thursday or last 
Wednesday. Uh, I posted a video about it. Uh, Elon, after ditching his chances at the board, decided to take over or to attempt a hostile takeover of Twitter, offering an 18% premium on every share of Twitter out there, $52.40. To buy it outright, the board quickly responded with a poison pill to block Elon's attempt from buying the company. the Daily Wire reporting that that might not be enough to stop him. And then news came out yesterday that he's considering bringing on partners in his Twitter bid. And one of the partners, maybe Mark Cuban, suggested that he partner with former friend from PayPal, Peter Thiel, who he worked with in the 1990s and early 2000s at PayPal. And, and everybody is kind of, you know, watching this soap opera deal unfold and you might say you know why do you care about this well i care because twitter is a very important platform for almost everybody who's trying to share information and ideas and censorship is bad now i think it's odd when the founder of a company steps down from the company and then he calls out the company as dysfunctional five months later. This is Jack Dorsey ripping Twitter on Twitter's platform, the Twitter board, by the way, over dysfunction in the Elon Musk battle. Uh, If you remember when Elon uh, bought the nine shares and then was offered the board of directors seat, Dorsey tweeted out saying he would be a valuable asset. and, And I encourage this. Well, since this falling out has happened and Elon rejected the board seat and now is trying to attempt this hostile takeover, Dorsey comes out and says this is part of the dysfunction of the Twitter board as it is. How bad is it, though, when you start a company and now you're five months removed from stepping down from it and he's about, I think, five months away from surrendering all of his participation, including his shares, I think, in the company, and you call it dysfunctional weren't you the reason why it existed that way in the first place like the buck stops with leadership right everything rises and falls on leadership if there's if there's a problem with the company uh the leader of the company is the problem i I that's just how i think think about these things and i think that the news is going to just keep coming out about how dysfunctional and poisonous twitter actually is be watchful of this. I called the fact that Elon was uh, not taking the board seat uh, because he was going to try something different. And I was right about that. And I'm, I think I'm right about this too. We're going to see more and more news coming out about how dysfunctional and how toxic the Twitter culture is. Take for instance, this uh, spreadsheet of the Twitter board members and their ownership percentages of Twitter stock. And no one owns 0.1% of the stock except for Jack Dorsey, the founder who owns 2% of the stock. That's why Elon taking 9% was such a huge deal. I mean, even Parag, who is now the operating officer, owns 0.063% of the stock. What does that tell you as an investor in this company when the entire board says, not interested in having a a sizable portion of this company in my hands? Have Have these people ever heard of having skin in the game? This next chart shows their compensation, by the way. This is the board of directors' compensation. Uh, in last year's calendar year, uh, 2021, in stock and in cash, and almost every member of the board got two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars of either stock or cash, mostly stock, of course, in uh, compensation for being on Twitter's board, which is. 
pretty much a part-time job. I mean, you show up what, four times a year, maybe, if that, to a board meeting, and you're getting $250,000 of stock, which you can just sell and just take the cash and run as a board member, which, which is probably what they're doing because they don't have any, right? They don't have any Twitter stock. So this is also part of the reason why I think they're threatened because he, this was reported on Twitter yesterday, and then Elon responds to a guy named Gary Black who is reporting on these these uh, compensations for Twitter's board. And notice what he tweets out in response. Board salary will be $0 if my bid succeeds. So that's $3 million a year saved right there. And I gotta say, I love this guy. I love Elon Musk in the way that he is just, you know, um, navigating the narrative on Twitter with, with these out-of-touch elitists who protect... Um, all the bad people over the last two years, all the bad people, the the pharmaceutical industrial complex in league with Bill Gates and other billionaires who have basically treated you as uh, crash test dummies for this vaccine made by a company with a track record of criminality, a.k.a. Pfizer. I mean, I don't get me started on all this stuff that I've talked about so many times on this channel, but it is quite interesting that there's so much in the news about Twitter's hostile takeover by Elon Musk. They seem to be thinking they've got something to lose. In fact, they actually came out and said it. You know, once in a while, the media says the quiet part out loud. And last week, discussing Elon Musk and Twitter, uh, Mika Przinsky of Morning Joe said that the problem with Elon taking over Twitter is that if he owns Twitter, he's going to try to control what people think, and that's our job. Watch this. Well, and I think that the dangerous you know, edges here are that he's trying to undermine the media, what? trying to make up his own facts, and it could be that while unemployment and uh, the, the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that if, is the that is our you, job. Yeah. If you look at the that is our job. What? <laughs> Your job is to report the news, not control what people think. But you see how people are freaking out. The elitists, the, 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 the coastal elitists are freaking out that this South African immigrant uh, wants, by the way, an African-American, let's be honest, because I'm married to one, um, has a chance at owning a media company, a social media company. Now, Jeff Bezos owns Amazon. Um, oh, what's his name? John Henry owns the Boston Globe. Uh, and, and untold other papers and media outlets are owned by billionaires. Here's just another billionaire trying to take over, trying to own a social media company, and everyone's freaking out in the establishment because they it just proves once again that they have been lying to you. They have been cajoling you. They have been manipulating you, and they are all in league together. And if you challenge them, they will come for you. I just, I wonder what's going to happen next in this in this billionaire soap opera with Twitter. And now let me ask and answer the question, why should we care? Why, pastor? You are a pastor. Why do you give a rip about Twitter? Well, I give a rip because it's the most streamlined platform for discourse, public discourse. I mean, you don't even have to have the blue check mark to share your thoughts. And I think that is a beautiful thing. You should be able to sign up for this service. You should be able to gather your Twitter followers and follow who you want and say what you want. And 
of course, not break the law of calling for violence on someone's life. That's where you cross the line and you should be banned for that. When there's a call to action of violence, there's already laws in the books that make that illegal, okay? But free speech and even hate speech, dare I say, should be allowed on the platform because that's the First Amendment. Uh, the the uh, and, and Elon was found saying this uh, at a TEDx talk. Uh, free speech is only free speech when someone you hate says something you hate and they can still say it. Like that's... That's what free speech is. And this is why I care because this this is a streamlined platform. It is very clean and it runs very cleanly and streamlined. So you can talk and we can share and we can do things like this, right? Virtually connect. Number two, it's not going away. You, you could try to ban it uh, and ban everybody on it. It's not going away. People are still going to need this. We've gotten used to it. Number two, number three, it's probably not going to get replaced. I know that Trump has tried twice to replace it. Um, Parler tried to replace it. Now there's Gab and other uh, you know, social media platforms that really what happens is they all become like holding cells for only right wing views. And I don't like that. I want all the views on one platform, talking it out, uh, arguing it out, debating it out. I think this is healthy for a community and a country. I really do. And it needs to exist. It, we need to have back and forth, left, right, center, independents, Republicans, liberals, Democrats, let the conversation happen. Am I right? Let me know in your comments below. Like, I want your conversation to happen and let's, let's continue this, right? And, and I think finally a country is better off when there is more speech, not less. You know, that's when the totalitarians take over. You can always identify the totalitarians when they want to remove speech. This was what the left had a problem with uh, Donald Trump saying that the news media was the enemy of the people. I don't think he ever should have said it. I think he should, should have said that they were wrong. Like you don't call them the enemy. Just tell the people where they're wrong and let's continue the discourse and the give and take. But anyway, we should care about Twitter. It needs to exist. It's not going away. And also, by the way, as a pastor, I have learned so much from other pastors on Twitter and so much about what's going on in our world on Twitter that just helps me better pastor our church, better pastor the people. The great uh, 19th century preacher, Charles Hayden Spurgeon of, of London, said that a great preacher holds the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in another and now it's not the Bible in one hand, a newspaper in another. Now it's the Bible in one hand and, and social media in the other because that's where we get our news. That's where we get our public discourse. That's where we find out what's on people's minds. I mean, it is a resource to see into the heart of people from a distance. I mean, there's no, there's no replacement for personal connection, but from a distance we connect. And I think and I hope and I'm praying that Elon Musk takes this thing over with whoever partners who love free speech and all this nonsense, the poisonous, toxic environment and implementation of the Twitter world is finally fixed or at least started to be fixed. Anyway, that's my thought. Let's get into ridiculous news. Ridiculous. So from the no one could have predicted this department of the news. NewJersey.com reports that two women at a New Jersey prison are pregnant after consensual sex between inmates. Uh, now, again, two women and consensual sex, right? That only works if one of the women are not by, is not a biological woman. And that's exactly what happened. Now, remember, what we're about to talk about is bigotry. I, I just want to, you know, qualify what I'm about to say. This is 
full-on bigotry, according to the sexual progressives. So a transgender woman, a man pretending to be a woman, goes to jail in New Jersey, has sex, consensual sex, I guess, with some inmates, and and they reproduce. <laughs> no one could have seen this coming, right? And this is this is going to be, pardon the pun, a growing problem in many ways. Because CNBC, uh, CBN News reports that in California, 200 plus male inmates um, identify now as female or non-binary and are requesting transfer to a prison matching their quote-unquote gender identity. The article reads, since January, hundreds of male prison inmates in California who identify as female or non-binary have requested housing in a woman's facility, a growing desire since Gavin Newsom signed a bill supporting the LGBTQ agenda. The California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation says 261, 261 male inmates have asked to be transferred to housing that matches their gender identity. The Deputy Press Secretary Terry Thornton uh, said 255 are from transgender women, that is men pretending to be women, and non-binary incarcerated people who are requesting to be housed in a female institution. And only six are from transgender men, that would be women pretending to be men, and non-binary incarcerated people who are requesting to be housed, housed in a male institution. CBN, CBN News previously reported that Newsom signed state or Senate Bill 132 last September, which allows, and we talked about this, prison inmates to be recognized by their chosen identity, rather their gender, uh, that the, the gender that they were born with. Under the bill, individuals admitted to uh, the correctional facilities in California, uh, the officers must privately ask if they identify as transgender, non-binary, intersex, and the law says that the correctional facility cannot deny an inmate's request because of their anatomy or sexual orientation so no one could have seen this coming right? I mean, um the prison system is in and i know that there's christians in there and i pray for more christians to be in the prison system but we all know that people go to prison because they have flout flouted flaunted sorry flaunted and broken the laws murdered raped stolen destroyed property whatever and now we're expecting them to be honest about their gender identity, and we're and now in California at least we're making we're making these the allowance for them to just switch genders. And if I'm a man who has no problem breaking the law, and I'm in prison with a bunch of dudes, and I'm thinking, you know what, I'd be better treated with a bunch of women. <laughs> it's not what I'm saying is it's a short walk to crazy in California, and they have taken that walk. And then some. <laughs> and it's going to get worse. Think it Think it can't get worse? Oh, it's going to get worse. Just check across the pond. And by pond, I mean the Atlantic Ocean. This out of Scotland. Quote, trans Scots killer now identifying as an infant and demands nappies, that would be um, uh, diapers, and baby food in jail. No, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> this is Sophie Eastwood, formerly Daniel Eastwood, strangled a fellow inmate uh, back in 2004, then decided to change genders and was transferred to a women's holding facility and now has decided not to change genders, but to change age, which by the way, hey, some of you might be pro trans ages, trans agerism. Because then, as a 70-year-old, you could identify as a 20-year-old. Hey, why not, right? I mean, this is the world that we're living in. So this guy kills 
gets transferred, identifies as a woman, gets transferred to a women's facility, and now demands to be treated as an infant, wants <laughs> wants diapers and baby food, mashed up baby food in the cell. The source said uh, this prisoner has been difficult and manipulative over the years. Shocking. Uh, which is why she, he, is still behind bars after 17 years. He, I'm not going to say the pronoun she, he decided that he would trans to from man to a woman, which is becoming more common in jails these days. But this is obviously something else entirely, and the Scottish Prison Service has no protocol in place for dealing with prisoners who decide they are babies. Really? That's shocking. You don't have any protocol for this? This is There's no handbook on what happens when an inmate decides that they're a baby? What, what, what about, what keeps an inmate deciding that they're just free? What about an inmate that decides I'm actually innocent? And you can't argue with what I feel. I feel that I'm innocent. Like <laughs> this is this is the gender transgenderism nonsense um, in full bloom, ladies and gentlemen. It is the spring of fling. You know, you, whatever feelings you have must be true because your individual identity is the most important part about you, and no one can argue with it. And you are a god unto yourself. You can make yourself in your own image, in your own likeness, and rule from your mind. You know, some people, they get so worked up about this, and, and, I, and, and some Christians get so um, shocked by this. And I'm like, and I tell some Christians, and I'm talking about Christians who would be like in the middle of the road with this stuff. The T was always there. You know the T? LGBT. It was always there. So, you know, when gay marriage was becoming a thing, I remember the argument from some Christians was, well, they can do what they want in their private homes. Who am I to stop them from doing whatever they want? That's fine. It's not going to affect How's their marriage going to affect me? It's not going to affect me. And that was the argument from, you know, the middle of the road, moderate, uh, maybe left-leaning Christians. And and now those same Christians, <laughs> some Christians are saying, what, what, what's going on? The T was always there. The T was not suddenly tag to the end of the acronym and when you start to upend or deconstruct the social the the, the the fabric of social life with transgenderism and feelings dictating reality all bets are off now it can get even worse so you got you got the uh, trans scott killer identifying as an infant and then this news out of scotland uh, scotland as well Quote, anger as trans inmates revert to males when they leave Scottish prisons. <laughs> sub, sub, subtitle. Concern after new research suggests that men who change their gender to female in jail are switching back to their birth gender after release. Again, no one could have saw this coming. It's just so, 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 so obvious news. It's obvious. Yeah, obvious. So you have these people who pretend to be women for the sake of better treatment or to be housed with females in prison, and then they leave prison and they go back to being males. Um, it's bizarro world, friends. It's bizarro world. And we are, as I like to think about these things, at a fork in the road. The sexual revolution was a bad idea. Remember there, the sexual revolution, 1960s, uh, free love, drugs, partying, no consequences, you know, self-actualization, add to it, uh, psychedelic drugs on the rise, add to it, rock and roll, add to it. You know, all the things that those crazy Christians from the 1980s said, this is bad. And everybody in the, uh, in the, in the culture said, oh, shut up, you outdated bigots. How dare you stop us from having fun? It's all coming to pass, Right. This is the sexual revolution in full bloom. Where are we? Here's my pastoral thought. Are you ready? Here's my pastoral thought. We're at a fork in the road. 
We're at a fork of the road when it comes to the sexual revolution because it is completely in full bloom. Well, it might not be. It might not. People might be pretty soon identifying as plants at prisons and expecting the, you know, the officers to spray them with mist every hour. I don't know. And talk tenderly to them. I don't know. But we're in a fork in the road. And here's the two options. I want to put this on the screen. Option one on the left there is it all washes out. It all washes out. What do I mean by that? I, okay. The church and human society, because they do go in hand in hand. Look at, you know, the common arrow, the AD time frame. It has all been dictated by the church. Again, even our political discourse is uh, conservative Christians and liberal Christians arguing it out and fighting. That's really what is happening. So like last week, when we talked about the gender God, the gender pronoun God prayer from a Presbyterian church. But you have the church and the, and the society, human society, has always been through these weird and wacky seasons, like the dark ages, um, when the church basically controlled every part of your life. And then the corrupted age, which I would say was the, from, you know, the 1100s to probably the 1500s and even beyond, which called for the Protestant Reformation and Martin Luther and John Calvin and others who brought the church back to scripture, back to truth and that sort of thing. And then slavery, uh, human trafficking, a huge problem for the cultural West, always a huge problem for human societies in all manner of history, but particularly for the West from the 1600s to the early 1800s and late 1800s. Uh, and And that evil washed out. And then the bloody 20th century, right? World War One and uh, World War Two and Vietnam and Korea and then you know totalitarian regimes, communist Russia, communist China, destroying and, and killing their citizens en masse and all of these things. If we were really to be honest, they did take the left hand turn. They washed out. Thank God, Christians stepped up and put an end to slavery. Thank God, um, the free market mantra of economies won over the controlled centralized market of economies, you know, capitalism over communism so far anyway. I mean, all bets are off with the upcoming generation. But these evils washed out over time. And could it be that the sexual revolution has come to full bloom just like communism did in the 1960s and 70s or slavery did in the 1800s and um, uh, you know, the human psyche is going to wake up and the church is going to do its job and preach the truth and people are going to be converted and there's going to be a revival, hopefully of some sort. And this is going to wash out and people are going to run back to common sense ideas and ideals regarding family, your body, sexuality, and what makes a person like maybe. And that's my prayer. That's my prayer is that we take that left hand turn and it washes out. But if it doesn't, Prepare for hell on earth. That's option two. (laughs) Option two is we're doomed and Jesus is coming back. And the only reason why I would say Jesus is not coming back in my generation is if this does wash out. And I can't, if I was to, if I'm a, if I'm a betting man, it's 50, 50, it's 50, 50, 50, 50% chance. 50% 50% chance that we wash out of this sexual revolution idiocy and people come back to their senses or 50% chance that Jesus is coming back in my lifetime because this cannot continue unabated. This insanity <laughs> is touching every fabric of our society. 
Consider where are the feminists, okay? Where are the feminists who say nothing when a man goes into a day spa, gets naked, has his genitals hanging out because he identifies as a woman in the woman's locker room? Where are the feminists when a biological male um, manipulates the situation to take advantage of a biological female student in public school? Where are the feminists when a female inmate is raped or impregnated by a man pretending to be a woman and only pretending to be a woman so he gets out of a male's prison to go into a female's prison. And then when he's out, he, he realigns with his biological sex and all these terms even. I just hate these terms as a whole. Anyway, where are the feminists? They're silent. The church must say something. And, and that's why this channel exists. And by the way, like and subscribe and uh, click the notification bell so that you're always notified when we go live. Will it wash out my hope is that one day it will wash out so that's the news and i've got a new segment today it's called pastor reacts and the question is worship on an airplane yes no maybe so let's talk So evidently on a chartered flight, uh, a worship song broke out and some pretty shoddy worship singing rang out throughout the airplane as it traveled in mid-flight uh, yesterday or the weekend. So watch this. So that rang out in the airplane. You've heard of public displays of affection, PDA. What about PDW? Public displays of worship. Uh, I want to talk about that. <laughs> public displays of worship. Is this kind of thing appropriate? Should we bust out the guitar on a flight with a bunch of other passengers and just start worshiping Jesus? According to the poster, the, the original Facebook poster of the video, <clears throat> the air, airplane pilot gave him permission, the host gave him permission, and even the passengers gave him permission. I don't know if that's true. I do know that he was viciously attacked on Facebook because it went viral. The reason why it went viral is because Congresswoman Ilhan Omar tweeted out a video of it, or the video of it, saying, quote, I think my family and I should have a prayer session next time I am on a plane. How do you think it will end? She's asking that question because she is a Muslim, and you know Muslims, they pray five times a day. And they have these loud prayer sessions. And if you ever go to Israel or the Middle East, you will hear the megaphone five times a day uh, over the entire town square calling people to worship uh, and pray to Allah in the Islamic religion. So she tweets it out and it just generated more views. You can see there, this is yesterday, 35.4 million views. It's probably up to 40, 50 million views. And this has become a discourse, right? Well, she, Ilhan Omar, gets mocked viciously for voicing outrage over the Easter worship on the plane. Why do you hate Christians was one person's question. And this made Yahoo News. Um, the, the question is, should this happen? Like as Christians and as a pastor, my, my thought is, first off, I want to just be honest. This is not going to be um, a popular opinion for some Christians. But I got to be honest and say I'm not a huge fan of this kind of thing. I, I'm not a huge fan of putting our worship environment in 
a context where it's not a worship environment. Does that make sense? Let me back up. I'm also not a band. I'm not a fan of putting bad worship music on video. <laughs> the worship music is hideous. It sounded terrible. Uh, there's barely any singing. Uh, you know, the guitar. It's the song is really, really old. It's uh, how great is our God? I think that's in 2007. For heaven's sake, 2004 even. Um, and then my other question is, why are we putting this on social media? Are we, to quote Jesus's words, doing our good works to be seen by others? And this is a problem with social media. As much as I'm a fan, and I've already talked about this, Twitter and his you know, potential for good uh, and how useful it is. Uh, where should we draw the line when it comes to posting our worship and our, and our, well, all of our attempts at being cool online or being biblical online. Now I, I'm, you know, a complete hypocrite for asking this question because I put my preaching out on Instagram. And if you're not following me, follow it, Tim Hedge Live. <laughs> so, you know, the, there is a balance, I think. When you go to a public platform like Twitter or Instagram or TikTok, people are going to go to those platforms knowing that you're going to share who you are and what you want to share with the world. Like there's a, there is a civil agreement. We agree that we are going to see things that we like and don't like on the same platform and the things that we like we can ignore and the things that we don't like we can, and the things that we do like we can, you know, follow. But when you're on a plane with other passengers, is that the time to break out the guitar? I suggest no. E even if you get permission, even if you have people on board saying, yes, do it. Um, I mean, unless the whole plane is a church and they've chartered the flight, I don't think that was the case in this case, but if the whole church is charged with flight, then have out and have a church service because the whole church is there and the environment expects it. But 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 here's here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Just read this passage. It says this, aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. Like what Paul is talking about there is the Thessalonians who are being attacked viciously for their faith. You know, their their temptation was to fight back, speak out, you know, fight for their right in the civil uh, discourse of the first Thessalon first century city of Thessalonica. Well, they just the problem was they didn't have any rights in those. It wasn't America. This first first century Thessalonica, they had no civil liberties. Okay, so we can't equate the both the two. But but there was a common agreement of look, you keep this stuff quiet, and Paul says keep it quiet. Like don't be so braggadocio as a Christian that you. <laughs> You cause noise to happen in the midst of those who won't appreciate it and won't enjoy it. And this harkens back to what Jesus said, right? Matthew 7, 6, do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. So, you know, YouTube is a platform. You go to YouTube for all kinds of things. You can find almost anything on YouTube. Twitter, same thing. Facebook, same thing. Airplane, you're going on the plane to fly somewhere, to get somewhere. Right and, and and if a Muslim worship service happened or broke out on a plane I was on, I'd be really annoyed. And I'm a frequent flyer. Okay, I get annoyed when the person next to me is fighting too aggressively for the armrest. Anybody with me on that? You know. So I can't imagine how I'd feel if this other religion was starting to very loudly enter into their own worship and celebration. All that being said, I am pro-worship. I am pro 
gospel preaching. I am pro offending people with the gospel. But this isn't offending people with the gospel. This was kind of annoying people on a plane. <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe they all loved it. Maybe the people on the plane, this guy over here in the center, he doesn't look so happy. Um, not everybody's joining in. Some people are shaking their heads. Some people are, you know, taking a video of it. Um, and then for some reason, the video goes to the clouds. I don't know. But uh, yeah, unpopular Christian opinion. Let me know what you think. Am I way off about this? I'm okay with Let me know what you think. What do you think we should do? I consider it not the place on an airplane to enter into loud worship music and then just kind of like think, let's post this on social media to get attention and to stir the pot for what? Like, I'm all for stirring the pot, but please stir the pot with the truth. When, when it comes to our conversations with unbelievers, the gospel, whenever that comes out in our conversation, uh, first off, we should season our conversation with salt. That's Colossians. Uh, secondly, we should also wait for somebody to ask for the hope. That's First Peter. And then always, always be prepared to give an answer. Like, that's how we personally share the gospel. I'm not a big fan of you always sharing the gospel at every moment of your life. Nobody's going to want to hang with you. You need to have relationships with unbelievers where you're just in relationship and then those conversations can come up because they will. And that's when you can share your hope and that's when you can share the love of Jesus. But here's the other thing. I, I had heard that this team uh, was uh, just on their way back from Ukraine on the way to Germany or whatever. And they had gone to help the refugees. And there was another video circling the internet about how they were just singing to the refugees. And I'm like, wait a second. Don't refugees need assistance? Don't they need clothing? Don't they need coats? Do they need bad worship? Like, that's my question. Do they need you to sing bad worship? And in a foreign language. So unpopular pastor. Maybe you don't expect a pastor to say it like this, but that's my thoughts. It's my job as a pastor to think, how can I help God's people respond to culture with discernment and not argument, right? That's one of the missions. That is the mission of this channel, this, this platform, the deep ends, particularly engaging culture with discernment, not argument. And I'm all for making an argument when it comes to things that matter, like a ninth grader, um, uh, a third grade teacher trying to teach your third grader about gender identity. Yeah. Let's make a very loud argument for truth there because that matters in in significant ways but when it comes to public displays of worship i'm just not a big fan just gonna let you know prove me wrong i encourage it now to some really good news really 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 good that's really good news it's good oh no more masks on planes thank you to justice katherine kimball mazell of tampa florida is it just me or is all the good stuff coming from florida lately <laughs> uh yes this brave uh federal uh, justice has struck down the mask mandates on airplanes and everything seems to be okay with this so far this federal judge was appointed um in 2020 by donald trump voted in by the senate quickly and she struck down the mask mandate on airplanes and this video circulated on the internet of someone of one plane's response as it was announced in flight watch april 18th the biden administration announced that the transportation security administration will no longer enforce the federal mandate requiring masks in all u.s airports and on board aircraft uh, 
Yeah, so uh, this uh, picture also circled around on the internet from someone, and you can see that uh, it looks like most of the people have their masks off immediately. Some, uh, they are really deep in it, friends. They're really deep, and it's going to take a lot of deprogramming for them to come free. But I just love that guy. Finally! <laughs> finally, this is long overdue. Finally! Yes, finally, the mask mandate is down so far. This is, by the way, anybody has a problem with this, this is called checks and balances. Young people, listen to me because I know they're not teaching you uh, constitutional law anymore and civil government, civics anymore. This is called checks and balances. This is why we have three branches of government. Um, the executive branch, that's the president. The legislative branch, that's the Senate and the Congress uh, and the, uh, or the House and then the judicial branch, which is the Supreme Court and the uh, lower uh, district courts. Checks and balances. So that when your president acts like a dictator, Judges can overrule him or her. But let's be honest, um, we don't know really who's running the show, do we? <laughs> oh, anyway, the mandate was struck down and that did not stop the Twitter totalitarians, which is why, again, I say the, the platform has got to be fixed. They took to Twitter to complain about the age, the sex, the inexperience of the justice Catherine Kimball, who struck down the mandate. And don't you just love the love? They even called out her college as a joke, and on and on and on it goes. Yeah, that's what happens when you fight for freedom. There's always going to be people who hate you being free. Uh, evidently, somebody found out that the American Bar Association claimed that she was unqualified to sit on the federal bench. Well, I'm glad nobody listened to those idiots, and she's finally expelled the stupid mandate. Um, speaking of vicious attacks by the totalitarians on Twitter, Washington Post columnist Taylor Lorenz published a piece exposing the libs of TikTok creator, and we've got to talk about this, doxing her, doxing meaning trying to find out who she is and where she lives, and apparently we found out she also sought out information about the anonymous uh, libs of TikTok creator by contacting friends and family in order to expose her. She is anonymous so far. So she publishes this piece in the Washington Post, meet the woman behind the libs of TikTok, secretly fueling the right-wing rage machine. And it's kind of interesting because you can't see it there, but a picture of Joe Rogan is in the article. And it's like Joe Rogan is the least right-wing political pundit of all. Uh, and there's no secret to what she's doing. She's just simply showing you the TikToks of the sexually perverse progressive teachers in the public school system who want to indoctrinate your kids into gender confusion. And she's literally the reason why there are laws going on in the books in 13 or 25 plus states to protect your kids in public schools from being coerced into gender confusion. I just found out about a school from about two towns over from where I, from where I grew up in uh, Ludlow, Massachusetts. I didn't grow up in Ludlow, but Ludlow was about two towns over. And uh, there's a court case going before the court where the parents claim that without their knowledge, the public school system, elementary school in Ludlow, Massachusetts, literally uh, indoctrinated their child into gender confusion and moved the transition along without ever telling the parents the parents are ripped they should be and it's insane so this taylor lorenz there on the right you can see there that's one of her tweets from a few uh, weeks ago talking about doxing stalking or trying to hurt and smear people's loved ones 
It's not okay in any situation, but she literally in the middle picture there is going to one of the libs of TikTok's family members home to get information on her. And this is, this is the same person um, who uh, said the following about being attacked on social media. Watch. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating and terrifying it's horrifying i'm so sorry um so i guess it's only horrifying if someone does it to you anyway (laughs) that's the show guys i hope it's been helpful to you i trust that you had a wonderful easter remember jesus is alive and he's still alive even now two days after easter we are uh, asking for your support at the cash app uh, TimHatchLive or TimHatchLive.com slash support. I have monthly supporters. Thank you so much. Your monthly support is going to help get advertising out and get this video farther than ever before. If this content helps you, make sure that you give it a like, that you give it a subscribe, that you give it a notification bell. Click. And I will be back tomorrow with the Deep Dive Bible Study. I look forward to seeing you there, guys. It has been an absolute pleasure to bring this content to you. If you aren't following me on all those social media channels, make sure that you do this. Always at or forward slash Tim Hatch. Live new content daily. God bless you. See you tomorrow night.